everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome to week three of Natty Talk. Thanks for joining us again. Mitch and I are here ready for a great slate of Saturday football. Had a game yesterday, a couple games tonight. Before we get started on last week's picks, last week's recap, uh, Mitch, I heard you have an ad read for us. Yeah, I do. I want to tell you guys just a little bit about what we're going on here at Rise Network. Are you tired of hearing the same old scumbags have the same old crappy takes? Well, your search might just be over. Here at Rise Network, we're a global multimedia platform. We're for the best, most diverse voices. I'm talking sports entertainment, streamers. If you like Twitch, if you like gaming, pop culture, podcasts, streams, articles, reviews, you name it, we do it. Visit at Rise Network US. That's on all social media platforms or visit www.risenetwork.com for more info. I think it was a pretty good fucking ad read, dude. I liked it. Yeah. No, you were good with that one. Yo. That was, <laughs> yeah, let's go. All right, Natty Talk, episode three, right? Yeah, three. Yep. Three. Got, a, got a hell of a slate. Um, last week was fucking nuts, wasn't it, dude? That, that was a crazy every, – like, every hour had something new. It was fun to watch. Yeah, a lot of huge, huge upsets. So, without further ado, I guess let's get into last week's Against the Spread. Take a look at our results. Cade, you want to start that one out? Yeah, last week was kind of tough. I knew when you get the good, good slates, the ones that, you know, you jump up on Saturday morning, you're ready to watch, you know those are going to be the rough ones because, you know, you usually get a little favorite heavy in that one. Uh, I went – Three and three with the game picks, two and four against the spread, one and one with the over-unders. Maryland and Wisconsin, just big-time losers. We kind of all just overlooked Iowa. I, I, I still think I was good. I don't think they're great, but we uh, we looked over that one. Two of his brothers struggled. And in my extra picks, I went three and two. I had Stanford plus eight, one outright against Oregon. That's a huge win. So not a great week, but, you know, there's always room for improvement. Yeah, kind of the same uh, with me. I agree. Obviously, we completely overlooked uh, Wisconsin and Maryland. Or I, I guess, uh, well, Wisconsin underlooked them because they got the shit kicked out of them. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, you're right with uh, Maryland and two his brothers seem to just throw an interception just about every time he hit the ball. But uh, overall, against the spread, not a great week for me, two and four. Uh, Game-wise, wasn't bad. Four and two, you know, I had uh, had Oklahoma State to cover and win. Alabama to cover and win, uh, Arkansas to cover, Georgia to win was right about that one. Um, well, no, I was wrong. Arkansas didn't cover, but Georgia did win. So no, they did not. <laughs> dude, that was that was, that was a tough one. Yeah. But hey, Razorback, good for the Razorbacks though. And honestly, not really going to hold them against them because it seems this year like Georgia's defense is going to stop everything. I, I cannot wait till they play Alabama because. I don't think it's any more clear cut than it can be that those are the two best teams in college football right now. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on that one. Arkansas is still fine; they still got a lot of big games, so they can still win, make a near six goal. So keep chugging. Okay, last week's recap. Uh, let's start here. It's gonna put a big smile on my face. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh put on his big boy pants. Michigan jumps around and Camp Randall beats Wisconsin 38 to 17. That was a fantastic feeling as a Michigan fan to watch Jim Harbaugh, watch the Wolverines go into a road game where they were not favored in one of the most hostile environments in the Big Ten, let alone college football as a whole, and get 
a win as sure as they did. You know, I don't think there was really any point in that game where we thought, oh, maybe Michigan's going to crumble. It's going to be same old Michigan. Here comes Wisconsin coming back. And, you know, we were going to end up losing the game, but that didn't happen. I know. What, what did you think about that, uh, Cade? Yeah, first off, congratulations to Jim Harbaugh. First win as an underdog in Michigan history for him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how long it's been, but good for him. I think uh, things we already knew, Michigan's defense is the real deal. Front seven. We'll go front seven is the real deal. We knew that. I'm still skeptical on those DBs. I think I will be until they f- face a pass-heavy offense, but Michigan's defense is the real deal, front seven for sure right now. We d- do know, and we still know, that Graham Mertz is not good at football. I know I could say that, you know, just sitting here talking. In terms of a Big Ten quarterback status, he is not a Big Ten quarterback. That's just what I have to say. But besides that, good win. I mean, it's tough to go to Camp Randall and win those games, especially, you know, they say hungry dogs run faster. Wisconsin was tough coming off a brutal loss, and they just got beat down again. So, congrats to Michigan. You know, I like when both teams, you know, Michigan, Michigan State are winning ball games. It's much more fun. So, you know, I, I'm not going to say I was excited to watch them win, uh, but I like to see, you know, big Big Ten teams that I believe are the Blue Buds come out and win. You know, good for them. Yeah, I wonder uh, wonder how f- stupid Paul Christ and his uh, Wisconsin staff feels for letting Jack Cohn walk over to Notre Dame. And they, of course, just got absolutely killed by them a couple weeks ago and then weren't able to bounce back against Michigan. And, yeah, I would agree with you. It's It's clear that – Graham Mertz is not a Big Ten quarterback. He regularly overthrows uh, receivers. He just honestly can't he can't hit his throws. And if you can't hit your throws in this conference, you're not going to succeed. It's as simple as that, really. Yeah, and I also think uh, with Harbaugh using his little two-quarterback system, I think that's fine for now to give defenses a different look with uh, Cade and uh, McCarthy. But I think at some point, you know, the QBs are going to start getting a little angry that they only get three play. Like, I think more more so J.J. would just be like the running quarterback. Maybe they'll let him sling it a few times. I think he actually has to come – like, that's fine to do it like once or twice a game. But if he can regularly does that over the course of the season, I think they're going to start to get angry. Um, and I think he's going to have to figure out who his guy is. Yeah, for sure. I remember watching the game because if you remember that he actually put McCarthy in for like the first three plays of the second half, I want to say. Yeah. And, you know, like like we've been saying, Cade McNamara is not a great quarterback, but he hasn't made any mistakes this season. The team, especially himself, no interceptions, no fumbles, but the team as a whole, no interceptions, no fumbles, no turnovers. I remember when they put McCarthy in for the start of the second half, you know, the camera went to Cade and he had a very, very uh, displeased look on his face, which I would understand, you know, like, what, are, what more do you want me to do? I mean, we're 5-0. and Well, at the time, we're 4-0. and I haven't turned the ball over. I've been, you know, not making mistakes and you're sitting here putting in this true freshman. I'd be pretty upset too, but you know how the saying goes, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. So I would agree that they're going to have to make a decision here down the line. I would lean on the McCarthy side because I do think that the ceiling for the team and the offense overall is much higher with him behind uh, center than it is Cade. I think Cade's just, I just think it's clear, you know, when McCarthy takes the field and you can see the athleticism, you can see the arm talent and you see it at such a young age and, and that's very rare. So I would be all in favor of starting JJ McCarthy, but unfortunately for us, this is not a show where we just talk about Mich- – well, I guess unfortunately for me because I know you hate Michigan football. 
Uh, it's not just a show where we talk about Michigan football. So another game last week, Georgia shuts out Arkansas at home. Well, we I we whiffed on that one against the spread. Oh, you whiffed on that one. I had Georgia. I said it was one of those games where, you know, you see such a big number and everyone's like, yep, Arkansas, boom. And I was like, I just, I just think like the people, us two are going to be all over Arkansas. And so I kind of just flipped my pick there, but I don't think it was like, it's hard to lay that many points, but it's also hard to, you know, shut out a team. Uh, like Arkansas that was rolling for so long. I think the question, the only question mark for Georgia right now, besides maybe like questionable wide receiver play is when is JT Daniels back? Cause they're going to need him for those big time games. Uh, Stetson Bennett's fine to fill in right now. He can win them games. Well, their defense can win them games and he can keep them relevant. But I think when JT Daniels comes back, that's when we'll see the full force of Georgia and see, you know, can this be the year that they will win a national championship? Yeah, definitely a, a rough game for Arkansas. I'm, I'm still pretty high on them, though. I'm not going to hold against them getting beat by 37 at Georgia in Athens because I think Georgia's going to do that to just about every team except Alabama this year, and we'll have to see what happens when those two meet up. But, I mean, yeah, it was just a, just a tough game for Georgia, or for Arkansas. I can't really hold it against them. K.J. Jefferson, not great. 8-13 for 65 yards through the air. Uh, eight carries for only five yards, extremely uncharacteristic for him, as we know that he's one of the premier mobile quarterbacks in college football. So he'll definitely have to uh, have to re- or, um, reconvene and get their stuff going right. But like I said, I mean, it's against Georgia, not going to hold it against them. Uh, Cincinnati, this, I'm really excited to talk about this one. University of Cincinnati, the Bearcats get their first road win in program history against a top 10 team. They marched into South Bend. They beat up on the Irish 24 to 13. Uh, what are we, how are we feeling about our non-Power 5 top 10 team in the Bearcats here, Cade? I think when you look at the top 10 now after last week uh, unfolded, I think you could see that since he does have a path, I think that, you know, they'll have to win out, obviously. But, you know, I was kind of skeptical on this game. I didn't love the line, especially, you know, seeing Cincy favored at Notre Dame, you know, you know, conference team, uh, Notre Dame, you know, even though they're not in the conference either. But Cincy, you know, the American, you're like, oh, you know, this is just a weird game to look at because you're like, we know Cincy's good. They competed with Georgia last year near six bowl game, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, we didn't know how good they were. And this proved it. I still think like Notre Dame was a good team, not a great team. But it's never good when you have to play three QBs in one game. Never good. You can't, for any good reason, you can't think that that's going to be good. But, I mean, Desmond Ritter, you know, he was he played fine. I think it was more so the defense for Cincy that put out a show, forced three turnovers. And, you know, I'm happy to see teams like Cincy beat Notre Dame, those cowards that won't join a conference, beat up on them whenever you can. Uh, and I, I'm rooting for Cincy. I hope, you know, finally a team uh, gets the dance that shouldn't get the dance most of the time. Notre Dame is just the pimp of college football. They pick and choose who they want to play when they want to play them. And people, for the most part, don't have anything else to say about it. They're like, oh, okay, you want to play us then? Eh, okay, that's fine. But I agree that they should join a conference. But yeah, I, I think in order for Cincinnati to, to make the playoff, not only obviously are they going to have to win out, I think they're going to have to win really, really big because I don't think that the – committee is really interested in putting a non-power five team in there at least right now when we're still at only four teams uh per playoff 
And then, you know, you go into look like the, the Big Ten is strong this year, but do we exactly have a team that's playoff worthy? I mean, we have Iowa and Penn State, so one of them is going to get a loss this weekend. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on the show. Ohio State, you know, they had a nice comeback week, uh, against Rutgers this week, but are they the Ohio State of normal? We all know the story with Michigan. We all know the story with Michigan State. Wisconsin clearly doesn't have it this year. So I do think that since he could very well find themselves in the top four when December rolls around and it's playoff time, I just think they're going to have to win big and uh, obviously win out. And uh, yeah, they'll have to uh, they'll have to dodge some bullets too, like you said. Uh, I think everyone's like, oh, if a one loss Big Ten team is going up against no loss since I'm still taking the Big Ten team. Well, let's look at that. Let's see who like the one loss Big Ten team is because if it's you know. Iowa with one loss, but you know, they're in the big 10 West or whatever, like that, like that division is so much worse than the East. Like, and they're the ones that wouldn't end up winning hypothetically the big 10 championship. I'm still giving Cincy the chance to roll that. I just think like it makes more sense to do it now rather than wait. Cause we know if it expands the eight or 12 teams that obviously they're going to get in uh, at some point, a team like Cincy. So I think this would be the time to, you know, give them a chance. Cause we've seen with like UCF and Memphis, you know, Notre Dame gets to go in and be the fourth team and just get steamrolled every time. Why not let one of these guys go in? If they get steamrolled, all right, we tried it, but it's the same as Notre Dame in my mind. So I just think, like, if they have no losses and they win their games like they should, you know, I think, you know, this is the year you might as well let, them, let it fly. Yeah, of course. I mean, they've shown the ability to uh, – I mean, it's no doubt that Cincinnati has a less talented team than Notre Dame, at least on paper, talking recruit-wise. Um, the ability to win on the road against a team that you're not supposed to beat. So, yeah, I'm with you. We've seen Notre Dame, like you said, walk into the playoff and get absolutely rinsed by Bama. And uh, why not give a non-Power 5 team a shot? Because, I mean, quite frankly, there's honestly nothing more Cincinnati can do to deserve it. I mean, they've done it. This is multiple years now that I think we can finally say that, yeah, this is a legit football program, non-Power 5 or not. So good for the Bearcats. And then uh, to get into our last recap, Bama does Bama things. Just absolutely destroys Ole Miss with ease. Uh, I don't really have too much to say about this one. Did I think it was going to be as much of a blowout as it was? No. But am I shocked by Alabama doing it? No. It's what Alabama does best. So <laughs> here we are. Bama's 5-0 and again. Yeah, Lane Kiffin is popcorn comment. You probably should put up some points in the first half if you're going to make that comment. But at the same time, like you're not, you're, yeah, I mean, throws <laughs> on the ground, like just, yeah, I know Lake Kiffin's like a good dude and, you know, like he just means no harm by doing it, but, you know, put up some points. But also, like, you can't beat Bama if you don't start hot. And Ole Miss had a chance. They were driving on that first or second drive. That guy made that unbelievable one-handed catch. And then they just, I think they went for it on fourth down and got stuffed. And right from there, at Bama rolled. I was watching it. It was 7 nothing. You know, I think I went to get another drink or something. I came back, it was 21 nothing, 28 nothing and a half. I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's what's going to happen. So, I think what are you saying? I said you went to get a couple drinks. No, I, well, I went to get a drink. Might have taken a little longer than it did. It was my birthday weekend, people. You know, like, let me celebrate. But uh, it was like, I was like, holy, like, like what's going on? Because I know Matt Corral's a good QB. I thought they would have, like, I know Bama has the Bama defense. You know, we all know how many people they have in the pros, but I was like, I didn't think 
Alabama's offense was going to roll them like that because they hadn't looked fantastic the last couple of weeks. I know they played like Southern Miss and Mercer, but uh, it was just a weird game and they ended up winning and covering. So, Yeah, I've always gotten the feeling, especially after the popcorn comment and him uh, tossing the uh, mic. I mean, Lane Kiffin's a very quotable coach. The guy for sure wears sunglasses inside, 100%. <laughs> Walks into the meeting room, dark shades. Here's what we got going for today. <laughs> All right, let's get into our top tens. Uh, you want to go one for one, so I'll give you my ten, and then you give me your ten. We'll just work our way up. Uh, yeah, that works. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, should we st- should we start at three then? <laughs> start at what? I said should we start at three then? Because I think we have the same one too. Unless you think George is a better team than us, we can go. I was just joking. Uh, we can go uh, with it. Start at ten and work our way up. Oh, you want to go down? Okay, that works. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Try something new. Why not? Uh, at ten, I'm starting with Oklahoma State, five and zero. I didn't see it coming. I don't. I don't really think they're the tenth best team in the country, even though I had them at ten. But they're one of the few undefeated teams, and they've had some good wins over Baylor and Boise. So I'll put them at ten. Number ten, I got Oklahoma. Hate to have them here, but like I said, we had four top ten teams lose last week. So uh, Oklahoma through just scraping by just about every week uh, has found themselves back into my top 10 due to just about every other top 10 team last week that I value losing pretty horribly. So welcome back, Oklahoma. Not, not excited to have you here, but uh, you're back for the time being. Nine. I'll toss Michigan in there. They've won enough games to where, you know, you can finally put them as a top 10 team. I think like, you know, from, Cincy up, you can kind of jump around with whatever you want and put them in there. So some of these spots, obviously people have different, but I'll give Michigan a nine slot for now. Um, big road test uh, this week, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Michigan at nine. Super impressed by their win at Wisconsin. I know Wisconsin is not the greatest team this year, but nevertheless, Arbaugh did something that he's never done before. Uh, it's a big step for the program as a whole. Like them five and zero, they just seem like a very very well coached team this year. Uh, not a ton of penalties, no turnovers, not a ton of teams in the league that can still say that here five weeks into the season. So I got the Wolverines at nine. Hey, I'm going with the Spartans. I know I had them at ten. Obviously, people probably hurt me for that, but I mean they won two games since I put them at ten. So I think that they can still roll. They had a good good offensive week last week. Defense needs some work, but they're playing uh, you know no huddle pass only pretty much team last week in Western Kentucky. So I think they keep it rolling. Uh, Rutgers will be a test. They got a bad taste in their mouth in the opener last season. So I think they come out victorious and still roll. Eight, I got the Oregon Ducks. I know they've had uh, a little shaky with the uh, loss at Stanford. I don't think it's that bad of a loss though, honestly. So I still feel pretty confident about the Ducks being able to roll in the Pac-12. Could they find themselves in the playoff conversation with that loss against Stanford? Yes, it's possible, although I do think that it's really important for for the Ducks' sake for Ohio State to be as good as possible going forward just so that win in Columbus uh, week two, I believe it was, uh, keeps looking even better than it already does. So with that being said, yeah, I got the Ducks at eight. I'm putting Ohio State at seven. I don't love Ohio State, but I think in terms of their history and we know that you know even with an early loss, they can still – you know, win the national championship. I'm not going to say that this year, but in the past they have, or still win a New Year's Six Bowl. 
So I think Ohio State still has some questions on defense, but I don't think they're CJ Stroud. I don't think he's as bad as everyone gives him out, like tells tells everyone he is. Like I'm I'm not high on him, but I still think he's a competent QB. I mean, he put dropped 52 on Rutgers or something last week. So I still think he's competent. I still think Ohio State is uh one of the best teams in the Big Ten. So they could stay at seven for me. Seven, give me your Michigan State Spartans. I'm continually more impressed with this team and Mel Tucker's ability to turn around a program at the rate at which he has turned it around. I think they're playing really, really, really well. Didn't love their game against Western Kentucky. Uh, Not huge on your guys' second halves lately, I believe. From remembering off the top of my head, you guys only have like 13 points scored in the last two second halves that you've played. That's definitely something you're going to need to work on, but I like where they're at. Um, I do think they're a better team than Michigan right now, so that's obviously why I have them ahead of Michigan. I got the Spartans at number seven. Six, I don't like it, but give credit where credit is due, especially with their history. I'll put Oklahoma at six. Um, they have a test this week, thankfully, that they can get tested. and I don't know, even know if I want Like, I feel like I need them to win, so my – Top 10 is credible, but I also want them to lose. Then I look and see where they're playing, and it's Texas, and I wish they could just tie because I don't like either of their teams. But, you know, um, I I don't know. Oklahoma's at six. Rattler needs to step up. That's about all I'm going to say. Six, give me the Ohio State Buckeyes. I hate this team. It's a noted thing. I thought they had a great win against Rutgers. After Rutgers came into the big house, played Michigan very, very close, 20-10. to And Ohio State just rolls in there and drops over 50 on them. I think that was really, really impressive. Greg Schiano has done great things with that Rutgers program, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And for Ohio State to come in uh, with all the scrutiny that they've been facing this season, you know, not being the Buckeyes that we're used to, I thought that was very impressive. And I think that Ohio State has solidified themselves as once again, Right, at least right now, the best team in the Big Ten. And with that being said, I have them at six this week. Five going with Cincy. They deserve it at this point. Um, they've shown me enough to where I want to put them in the top five, and rightfully so. They're there at number five. I think Desmond Ritter is a solid QB. I think they can keep winning games. I don't. I haven't looked at their schedule and things like that. You know, I'm sure they have like one or two tougher games per se. Uh, to end the year, um, obviously they'll have the conference championship and, you know, we'll go from there, but yeah, we'll keep uh, Cincy at five. Yeah. I'm also going to go with Cincy at five, basically for this, you know, honestly, the same reasons. Yeah, I, I just can't continue to sleep on this team after they've year after year showed me that they are at least a top 15 program this year, clearly better than usual marching to Notre Dame. You beat Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame's not as great as we're used to them being. They're having a little bit of a down year. But that being said, you know, Cincinnati's recruiting, the talent-wise, way better on Notre Dame's side of things. So I'm very, very impressed with the Bearcats, and I'm going to have them at five this week. Yeah, four, I'm going with Iowa. Um, This will be maybe questionable, you know, where I rank these. But I think I'm going this solely based on, like, who have they played. I don't think Iowa – has really they played Iowa State and they played Indiana, but I don't really know if those teams are as good as they were last year. Last year might have been a fluke, who knows? So I'll keep Iowa at four. Great game, game of the week this week in my mind uh, against Penn State. So we'll see what happens then. Yeah, four gonna uh, just do basically the opposite of Cade here. I have the Nittany Lions. Love what they've done this year. Sean Clifford, 
uh, what feels like his like seventh year at the university. But uh, mm-hmm. hey, it, when you're able to lock down a starting position for that amount of time at a school like Penn State, where you're getting fantastic five star recruits, and uh, it, it's um it's an offense that is very advanced. You know, you see a lot of NFL players coming from Penn State. You know, Saquon Barkley, KJ Hamler. I mean, it just the list goes on and on. Uh, I actually really, really like them against Iowa this week, but uh, I'm going to have them at four. Yep, I got Penn State at three, solely based on, you know, they've won the Wisconsin, who we know now is pretty fraudulent. But, I mean, week one, that was a tough game. They beat them. They beat Auburn at home. So they've had some good wins. So I'm going to put them at three. I don't know if I still trust their offense, but their defense is stout enough to where they can go in to wherever and at least put up a fight. So I'll keep them at three. Three, give me the Iowa Hawkeyes. Not big on their offense. Um, I believe, from remembering off the top of my head, they have the number one scoring defense in college football this year. I think they're an absolutely terrifying defense, not to mention an absolutely terrifying place to play. Is uh, is the Penn State-Iowa game, is that at Iowa this week? I can't remember. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough one for the Nittany Lions. Uh, Kinnick Stadium, not a place that you want to play. Uh, coming from a Michigan fan, I remember 2016. We were like nine and zero. Went to Kinnick, lost against a team that we shouldn't have lost against. And uh, Iowa's way better this year than they were that year. So I got the Hawkeyes at number three this week. I'm sure this will be the same, uh, but I got Georgia at two defense. You know, have haven't let up a touchdown. Their first string defense has yet to let up a touchdown. So, I mean, that's about as dominant as you can get. Uh, you know, still some questions on the offense, but I think their defense, you know, wins them whatever games they need to until they play Bama. So, I'll keep Georgia too. Yeah, same here. Not much to say. Defense hasn't allowed a touchdown in five weeks going into week six here. You have Arkansas last week, who is clearly, in my mind, a top 10 team, regardless of what happened last week in Georgia. And uh, they absolutely just mopped the floor with them. So give me the Bulldogs at number two. Bama at one. That's all I'm going to say. On to you. <laughs> Bama does Bama things. Walk into Ole mm-hmm. Miss. No problem. Clean it right up. Yeah, I got Bama at one, too. Uh, and I think they're both – they're going to be there for both of us until they prove that they're not. So probably until they play Georgia. See what happens. Yeah. There. I think also – I guess I'll go over – I have two teams on the bubble. Um, I know people will be like, why do you have Ohio State in there and not Oregon? Oregon beat Ohio State. I agree. Uh, however, uh, their running back and their safety are both out for the season now. So I just don't see, with those two guys being out, I don't see them as a top 10 team. And my other one's BYU. Um, you only beat Arizona by eight uh, first game of the season. And uh, I know like first game of the season, but it's Arizona. Um, they're a terrible football team. And I just don't like, they beat Utah. Utah turned out to be not so good. Um, they beat a couple other teams. I think Boise will be a real test this weekend. So I need to see a little bit more to get BYU nudging into my top 10. Yeah, for me on the bubble, I also have BYU for basically the same reasons that you just said. And then I also have Arkansas. Um, after that loss against Georgia, I do think they're a top 10 team. But I do think that, you know, there are certain schools like Michigan, like Oklahoma, that just outperform them this week. That's why I don't have them in my top 10. But I do have them on my bubble. Um, pretty sure they're going to work their way back into my top 10 here before we conclude the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a terrible podcast host and uh, completely skipped our trending stories section. So, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just gotta let you do your thing. I was like, hey, we can switch it up, whatever. But yeah, I mean, yeah. these we kind of. I guess we can just really go over like the the two LSU ones. I kind of already mentioned the Georgia one, so if we want to just talk some tag football. Yeah. Yeah, what's uh what's going on with uh Coach O here? Is he on his way out? What's going on with the Tigers? Yeah. You know, as a Tiger better last week, it was very unfortunate to watch that second half meltdown. Um Ed Orangeron may just be, you know, got put in the right place at the right time and had some guys by the name of Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards Alaire and a pretty good defense lead him to a national championship. Uh but I don't know. I mean you know, you should have the recruits if you're uh, you're at LSU. And when you have the recruits, you should be able to have a coaching staff that allows them to get ready for big games and win those games. And the last two years, I guess, year and a half, they haven't done so. And I do think that uh, LSU fans, you know, they're pretty consistent with you win. You have winning seasons. You get us into your six bowls. And then we keep going until we win another national championship. And last year they were terrible. This year they're not good. I think if he doesn't win a big game here, I know he like beat Florida last year, but he got lucky that Marco Wilson decided to throw a shoe. Um, if he doesn't win a big game here, uh, at least in the next couple of weeks, I think we could even see him out before the season ends. Maybe they won't do that. Maybe they'll wait till the end of the season. But I do think the time is ticking. He better win a big ball game. Yeah, this is one of the shocking. Uh... Not storylines. I mean, I'm not shocked that Ed Orgeron's on the hot seat now, considering, like you said, how he's, his team has performed these last two seasons. But, you know, a couple of years ago when they had that year, you know, Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, DeMar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, when they had that year, I was, like, literally like, okay, LSU is back. This is a top-five team every year. They got everything you need. You know, they have the recruiting. They have the OCs. They have the head coach that is just a great personality and seems like an awesome person to play for. But, uh, yeah, I would be starting to agree with you there that uh, it seems that having four really, really high-end uh, college football players that are all pretty damn good in the NFL, too, is going to lead you to a national title. And Joe Brady on the uh, offensive side of things doing really, really good things uh, with the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold this year. It seems like that was probably the secret to the sauce, their championship season. Hate to say it because I always have been a little bit of an LSU fan deep down there, but yeah, Ed Orgeron, it's it's definitely getting a little warm there in Baton Rouge for him. <laughs> and then uh, another of <laughs> – poor Tigers, man. They're just striking out. Cornerback Derek Stinsley Jr. out indefinitely after a foot surgery. Another huge blow for them. He's an All-American. He's their special number seven for the season. If you guys don't know, uh, number seven is just like a famous number at LSU that all these great secondary players seem to wear all the time. You know, guys like uh, Tyron Matthew, um, Grant Delpit, Patrick Peterson. And uh, Derek Stinsley was at number seven this year. And fortunately, he's going to be out after a foot surgery not looking good for the Tigers, just getting worse. Uh, Derek Stingley, I haven't really, like, I feel like I haven't watched him play football. You know, it's kind of just been like, you know, obviously, like, we have watched him play football, but, you know, injuries have lingered. Um, LSU hasn't been good since their national championship, so it's been a little weird. But, you know, he's kind of like Greedy Williams where, you know, gets hurt and maybe falls a little bit in the draft. You know, I still think he's a good athlete, good cornerback, so – He'll probably end up, you know, going to get his bag in the NFL this year. 
and he'll uh, end up going to a team where he can, you know, produce for them. He could be a solid, you know, number two, number three cornerback. And I think that's what happens. Uh, but, you know, I hope he gets healthy fast. You know, you never want to see anyone get injured. So I hope he figures it out quickly. And, you know, around the time of the draft, he, he comes back healthy, you know, puts on a decent tape for everyone. All right. Let's get into our week's preview this week. <laughs> Number six, starting out, number six, Oklahoma at number 21, Texas. The Red River Showdown. This one's going to be at noon. None other than AT&T Stadium, Jerry World, where the Cowboys play. Mr. K. Lewitsky, give us your pick. I just hate this game. I love it for college football, but I hate it for the the aspect that I have to bet it, or I don't have to bet it, but I, I have to give a pick on it. Uh, Spencer Rattler, you know, just like, I mean, he looked fine last week, I guess, but Kansas State's Kansas State. Texas has been rolling a little bit, um, so I'm going to go with Texas to win and cover the three and a half. Uh, I don't want to see Oklahoma win four straight in this rivalry. I hate when teams, you know, just unless it's Michigan State, I hate when teams just roll in the rivalry and, you know, just keep winning ball games. But I do think that, you know, Texas defense steps up, slows down Oklahoma, and, you know, they have a Texas has a Heisman contender running back in Bijan Robinson, so I think he gets rolling too, and uh, Texas comes out victorious. Finally, it's been too long. Yeah, Oklahoma, as we've mentioned multiple times in this show, not the Oklahoma that we're used to, letting everyone play them extremely, extremely close. Every game's a nail-biter. I don't think you get away with that all season long unless you're an upper echelon team, which at least this year I'm not sold on Oklahoma being one of those. Uh, and especially, you know, you're going into a rivalry game where things are heated, emotions are running high. Texas could have a little bit of a home field advantage, uh, being that it is in being played in Dallas and UT is in Austin. So uh, with that being said, yes, I like the Longhorns to cover and to win. It, Oklahoma's not getting away six weeks in a row. So their no, time's over not. in my book. Yep. <laughs> And it's a little weird too, you know, like we put them in our top tens, but like that's just for like the respect we have to give the program, like the history they've made playoffs and stuff. But I don't th- like, I don't think they're a top 10 football team. I just think right now compared to everyone else that, you know, Oklahoma hasn't really played anyone, you know, when they start playing some people and taking some losses that we'll be able to shoe them down to the bottom of the top 25. Yeah. Especially when, uh, when you have a top 10 team that loses, I mean, of course, it depends on how they lose, but considering how Oklahoma has played this year, when they do lose, because it's going to happen, I do think it's going to be this week, I think they are going to plummet in the ranking. In the ranking. I honestly have, would probably have them way closer to 25 than I would to 15. Yeah, that, that is a good question. Like, if Oklahoma had one loss – where would you put them right now? Like, if they lose this game, where do they drop to? For me, honestly, it's past 20. They've been ugly this year, and they really haven't had that great of a competition, to be quite honest with you. And uh, I'm not sold on them at all, so I'd have them pretty far down there. Yeah, I think if, what, they're probably at five or six in the AP pool. Uh, I think they drop, like, 12 spots. So I'll put them at, like, 17, uh, 18. And, you know, and they still got to play Oklahoma State. I know they usually beat them. Still got to play Iowa State probably, I assume, and Baylor. So, like, those are three decent teams where they'll probably take another L. They'll have two losses on the season. Of course, of course. 
Second game, we have number 13, Arkansas, at number seven, Ole Miss. We have noon kickoff here. Uh, line's been changing a little bit. I actually – I haven't this morning dropped the Ole Miss uh, minus five over under 67. Both teams, you know, coming off a big loss. Um, I don't really – like, I think this is going to be a great game, and I don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to roll with Ole Miss to win and cover by five, just solely off of I trust their offense more than Arkansas's offense. But, you know, I can see this going both ways. I don't love the over-under. I can't really trust uh, either defense to step up and make a play when they need to. So I'll just roll with, you know, who I believe is the better quarterback, Matt Corral, and they uh, win and cover by five. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit opposite. I like Arkansas to win and cover in this one. Like we said, Hungry Dog runs faster. Both of these teams got absolutely killed last week. I think the Arkansas Razorbacks are going to bounce back better than the Rebels. So give me them to win and cover. Uh, next game, number two, Georgia at number 18, Auburn. We have a 330 kickoff. This is actually a better game that people will probably make it out to be. Uh, we got Georgia minus 15 and a half right now, over under 46 and a half. Those pretty tight numbers. Uh, Mitch, what do you like on this one to start? Yeah, I have no reason to believe that any team besides Alabama, at least sitting here five weeks into the season, is going to beat Georgia this week. I really don't think any team is that close to them. Uh, 15 on the road a little high of a spread but that being said I like Georgia to win and cover this one yeah I don't I if I was a football team I would not love going to play at Auburn in a 330 game that just is a recipe for disaster uh, I don't smell an upset brewing here at all I don't think Bo Nix is a great QB at all uh, so I'm going to roll with Georgia to win However, I think everyone, the public, you know, everyone's going to be all over Georgia minus 15 and a half, you know, after last week at Arkansas. I think Auburn's a better team than Arkansas, personally. I think they have a better defense. So I think Auburn pulls off the miracle cover, right? whether it's a backdoor or something like that. So I'll take Auburn to cover plus 15 and a half. Our game of the week, uh, probably most people's game of the week, honestly, huge matchup, number four, Penn State at number three, Iowa. It's a 330 kick at Kinnick Stadium. Iowa favored by one and a half over under of 41. Cade, what are you thinking here? It's a tough game. Uh, I've watched a lot of Penn State. I haven't watched a ton of Iowa this year, uh, but I know, you know, this is a defensive battle. That's why the over under is at 40, which seems awesome for a Big Ten game. You know, it's going to be, we're going to see the uh, chart go down first few possessions. It's going to be punt, punt, turnover, punt, loss of downs. It's going to be, Primetime Big Ten 0-0 heading into the second quarter. Uh, but I am going to roll with Iowa. I made the mistake week one of betting Indiana at Iowa, and I'm just not going to do that this time. I don't know who the better team is. You know, Penn State, could he still be the better team to lose to Iowa on the road, you know. But I think t- uh, tomorrow, this game, Iowa's defense, you know, makes Sean Clifford go back to the old Sean Clifford that we know who is a turnover machine. And I think Iowa wins. But I'm not going to mess with that minus two. I don't like when – spreads are like below three you know some weird stuff happens game winning field goal so i'll just take iowa whatever the money line is it shouldn't be high yeah uh it's a really really tough one i don't like to bet against either of these teams the way that they're playing this year that being said i think penn state's a more complete team i do agree with you that they might not be like we might not know who the better team is just because Iowa is such a difficult place to play at. And it's a 3.30 kick, you know, getting later in the year. It's going to be dark uh, by like midway through the third quarter. That stadium is going to be absolutely rocking. Just don't really like what I've seen 
uh, against Iowa on the offensive side of the ball. I know their defense is playing outstanding this year. That being said, they have not faced an offense of the likes of Penn State's. I like Penn State to win and cover this one. Number 14, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. We have a 7.30 kickoff here in Lane Stadium. Notre Dame favored by one point, over under 47. Uh, this, is, this is a weird one, too. Uh, you know, Notre Dame has struggles right now. Obviously, they've won some good games. You know, since he's a tough opponent, no Virginia Tech. But you got to go to Virginia Tech now after a tough loss. You know, probably a physical uh, grueling game and I don't I didn't even see any reports like who's gonna start at QB who's hurt uh you know who's Brian Kelly rolling with so I'm gonna take Virginia Tech here to win uh you can give me the one point probably won't need it I think Virginia Tech's uh just like we saw week one against North Carolina their defense is stout enough to make some offenses uh you know feel uncomfortable at home or I, I guess on the road with Virginia Tech at home so I think Virginia Tech does win I don't really love the over under I guess I lean under but I'm not gonna play it so, you know, let the Hokies get another win, get back into that top 25. Yeah, I, I'd love to see it. Not a Notre Dame fan, can't stand them. I really, really want to say that they're going to lose this game. That being said, I think Brian Kelly is still a fantastic coach, one of the best coaches in the college football game right now. I don't see Notre Dame dropping two in a row. And I know, like, I hate it. I, I really, really want to go with VT, but I just do not see Notre Dame dropping two in a row. Uh, I like the Irish to win and cover this one at Virginia Tech at night, regardless of enter Sandman. It don't matter. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's all I have to say. Uh, my team, number nine, Michigan at Nebraska. It's a 7.30 kick on Saturday. Michigan favored by three and a half with an over-under of 50 and a half. Boy, am I terrified of this game. Uh, you'd think that I would feel better having Michigan go into Wisconsin last week and do what they did, but shocker, I don't. I'm still nervous. Uh, Michigan does not do great against mobile quarterbacks. Adrian Martinez is probably one of the most mobile quarterbacks in college football and the Big Ten as a whole. That being said, I really, really like Michigan to step up. Like you said, I think our defense is stout this year. Uh, I think we're going to win and cover that one. And if we don't, I'm not doing the episode next week. So <laughs> this is just, ah, uh, man, I don't like this game at all for Michigan fans. Uh, for Nebraska, you know, it's yet again another time to show that, you know, should you still be considered, should you still get another primetime game? No, you should, I don't even think this game should be primetime, but it is. Uh, for Michigan's sake, yes, but for Nebraska's, no. Uh, I, this is weird. Uh, I liked it better. Uh, you know, I like Nebraska if it's three and a half. If it goes out on the three, it's a little weird. So, uh, in these terms, I'm going to say that, So, you know, I wake up tomorrow and I get Nebraska plus three and a half. I'll take it. But I still think Michigan wins. Um, you know, maybe I can win one of those there. My lock is the under 50 and a half. I don't really see – I think Nebraska has a pretty good defense. I don't really see Nebraska scoring many points. And I think Michigan struggles, you know, on the road at night uh, with a tough – Tough defense in Nebraska, so I'll take the under 50 and a half. I'm looking at like a Michigan wins 23-17 type game. Well, I guess they wouldn't cover that, but, you know, I, I'll take my lock over the, uh, you know, whatever, Michigan or Nebraska covers plus three. But take the under, win some money, take the under. Yeah, 50, yeah. It's not, that's a, I would take the under too. 50 and a half, the weather, probably, it's probably going to be really, really cold too, Nebraska this time of year at night. So, yeah, I would go with the under too. 
Last game, number one, Bama at Texas A&M, 8 o'clock game. Alabama minus 18, over under 51. Not much to say about this one. Alabama wins, but I'm taking A&M to cover. I think they cover the plus 18. They play Bama pretty close, at least my recent memory shows. Uh, that's a lot of points. I don't care how bad A&M's defense is. You know, like same reason as Auburn's. Maybe you get a little backdoor action, you know, down 21, you know, all game. Uh, Bama's defense lets up at the end. Boom, A&M covers for a backdoor touchdown. Uh, but I still think Bama rolls. Uh, I'll still have to look at, like, next week's schedule. You know, when does when do we get some big games again between, you know, Bama, Georgia, when does Florida get back in the mix? We haven't really talked about Kentucky, but I'm sure, you know, when they have a better – they play LSU, so they should win that one. When we get a better game for them next week, you know, we'll be able to talk about that one. But going back to Bama, uh, Bama wins A&M cover. Yeah, not much to say here. Not impressed with Texas A&M this year. Had a little bit of a start to the season. They kind of faltered out. Uh, it seems like the normal Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher team. Uh, Alabama, the normal Alabama team, just absolutely killing everyone as we saw last week against Ole Miss. I think they're going to do the, basically the same thing this week to Texas A&M. Give me them to win and to cover. I got three extra picks for the people. Three and two last week. I'm probably like even, so probably juiced out. Uh, hopefully I can go 3-0. That would be nice. Uh, the star, I got Baylor minus 2.5 at home versus West Virginia. I just don't think West Virginia is a very good football team at all. And I think Baylor coming off that tough loss to Oklahoma State, I think they uh, get it done at home by a large margin. Uh, next, I'll go with Boise State plus 6 at BYU. Give me the points, even though that's you know going to be a tough environment to play in. You know, Someone said it. Uh, I don't know who it was. But they said the toughest part about playing at BYU is you have people cussing at you saying all this stuff to you when you're on the field and they're sober. That's the worst part about it because they just don't drink, don't do anything. So uh, regardless of the fact, I'll take Boise plus six. Uh, my boy Heisman Hank, QB for Boise, he needs to have a big game. So he hopefully he has it here. And the last one, uh, probably my least confident pick, but I'm just doing it for the people. Liberty and Middle Tennessee State, over 58. Malik Willis, one of the best QBs in college football. I think he puts out an absolute show in this one. And Middle Tennessee State's offense has kind of been rolling a little bit. Looking at a little like 40 to, you know, 23. Just hits the over, but we'll take it. We'll take those three to the bank. All right. Those are Cade's lock of the week. That's what I'm yeah, going to call That's what he's going to call him. I'm going to call him, play him, uh, play him with warning. Like Cade's play up with warning. <laughs> Nothing to invoke confidence into the audience. Like play them with warning. Uh, if you guys want to play those and they don't uh, hit, you can find Cade at, and I'm kidding, I don't know your address. Cade Lewitsky on Twitter. Cade Lewitsky Come to me. on Twitter. Let me know how bad I am, but hopefully. But I won last week, so you guys didn't come to me and say I was good last week. Don't come to me this week. If I lose two in a row, then you can come to me next week. That's when we can talk it out. Kate Lewitsky is a source of all your financial struggles. Absolutely. All right. Let's wrap up the show with our Gimme Five. This week, Gimme Five, top five Heisman Trophy winners since 2000. I'll start here. Number five, I got last year's Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. Speaks for itself. It's insanely hard to win this trophy now if you're not a quarterback. And I think the second position that's most likely to win it if you're not a quarterback is a running back. Shocker, Devontae Smith is neither of those. He won this trophy as a wide receiver. I think that is just unprecedentedly amazing. And uh, he seems to be showing he can do it at the NFL level too. I know we're early in the NFL season, 
But, uh, and that's kind of what I like took into account for, uh, for this list was yes, who was the best college football player, but also who were the most successful Heisman winners at the NFL level. So I think Devontae Smith is going to have a fantastic career with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I got him as my fifth best Heisman winner since the year 2000. Yeah, I kind of looked at this as like, you know, who like had that Heisman like standout game. Uh, kind of just like depends on the, your preference. You know, you could obviously be a homer and stuff like that. But I'm going five, Lamar Jackson, 2016. Uh, I just remember when he like scored eight touchdowns against Charlotte to start the year and everyone was like, whoa, who is this guy? And then he turned out to be that guy that did that play in high school where he like stopped the goal line and just walked in. Uh, I, uh, you know, Lamar, he's so fun to watch. I love him. I love watching him more in college, you know, especially when we got that extra year after he won the Heisman. I don't really care for much at uh, in Baltimore right now, but, you know, lost in the Citrus Bowl when he won the Heisman, but he put on an absolute show. And if you go, just, if you, if I, if you have one thing to do this weekend from me, just search Lamar Jackson, not even Heisman highlights, just watch a random game that he played that year he won the Heisman. They're, they're just incredible watching what he can do in the air, uh, you know, on his feet. Just great quarterback, great Heisman. It was just nice to, you know, see someone come out of nowhere and win the Heisman because, you know, his odds were, like, so high when he started the season. Number four, I'm going to have Kyler Murray. Like I mentioned, this has kind of just become a quarterback award. And uh, obviously, yes, Kyler Murray, Murray was a quarterback. If you can win this award being five foot nine. <laughs> that's shorter than me. Uh, that's just a, that's just all around impressive. And and Kyler just in general is just a freak athlete. This little kid who has a, well, little dude who just is lightning quick on his feet has a cannon like he's not the size that he is. And I was just so impressed with his uh, his performance, his Heisman year. And the, and then like I said, I do take NFL relevancy into. Uh, I factor that into this list, and obviously his Arizona Cardinals are rolling right now, 4-0, last undefeated team in the NFL, so I'm going to have Kyler at number four. Number four, I'm rolling with Tim Tebow, 2007. Uh, I loved watching Tebow. I know I was pretty young, but you know, even just going back watching his highlights uh, for his college days, he was such a great quarterback, such a great leader. Uh, I think he had a great season that year. Ended up losing the Capital One Bowl to uh, Michigan, believe it or not. But I think they still scored like five touchdowns in that game. So uh, I think he was just a great college quarterback. You know, one of those guys you want to roll through your program. You're like, you know what? I can get behind this dude for, you know, two to three years. And, you know, I just loved I, – I, I loved Tim Tebow in college. You know, NFL didn't really work out. Everything else is kind of been a little weird, you know. Uh, Urban Meyer has overshadowed that he tried to pay, play tight end for the Jags this year. But, uh, you know, take it away from all that. Uh, Tim Tebow, number four. Uh, give me your five pick, Lamar Jackson. I'm going to have him at number three, basically for all the same reasons that you said. He was just like a joystick to watch or to, you know, move like a joystick, like literally like a video game. You cannot do things that Lamar Jackson does in real life on Madden. It's just impossible, even while you're playing as Lamar Jackson. is just not there. Uh, his years at Louisville, like you mentioned, the eight touchdowns against Carolina, just absolutely unreal. So I'm going to have him at number three. 
Uh, number three, I'm going with Reggie Bush, 2005. I know it's vacated, whatever. I don't care. He was so good in college. Uh, probably the best running back we've seen in college, in my opinion. I know you could definitely argue that. Besides Barry Sanders, I'd say Reggie Bush, number two. Um, I know they lost in the national championship, but that year he was just an absolute force. You just thought every time he caught the ball, every time he caught the ball or was running with the ball, you, you know, he was thinking six and everyone was thinking that it was going long going for a touchdown. So I'll do Reggie Bush at three. Number two, give me Tim Tebow. Obviously, yeah, he was fantastic at Florida. The star power, though, I mean, people literally go nuts over this dude, and he hasn't done anything relevant. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah, in the past five years, and people just still go bananas over him. Uh, So just about for that reason alone, I think that he's probably the second best. Well, not best, Uh, not talent-wise, but – you know, didn't have a great year in the NFL, but hey, what a playoff game in the NFL. Yeah, did. Demarius Thomas, baby. Exactly. That's something that a lot of these – Kyler Murray hasn't done it yet. So, And I got him on this list. Uh, give me Tim Tebow and his uh, constant praying at number two. At number two, this is probably my favorite pick. I really wanted to put him one, but I just couldn't. Um, Cam Newton, 2010. When you look back and look at Cam Newton's Heisman winning season – Go look at the talent that was around him. I don't know if there was someone on that team besides him, at least like skill-wise on the offensive side of the ball, that played more than three years of NFL football. What he did to carry that team, obviously he had a decent defense, but what he did to carry that team to the national championship and inevitably winning that championship was probably one of the greatest seasons, you know, that's ever happened in college football. Uh, I'm a huge Cam Newton guy. You know, he was one of my favorite quarterbacks uh, growing up. Unfortunately, you know, things haven't worked out lately. But, you know, 10-year career is still a long career in the NFL. So I'm not going to, you know, shame him for, you know, what's happened lately. I still think he can be a QB at the NFL level for a couple more years. But, you know, going back, I just think, you know, taking that Auburn team and winning the national championship and then getting drafted first overall, I mean, just what a story. Number one, I'm going to have Reggie Bush, like you said. I don't care if it was vacated or not. Uh, he was probably just the most electrifying college football player that we've seen in the past, you know, in the past 20 years. You could put Lamar Jackson in there, put Kyler Murray in there, maybe Cam Newton, as you said. Uh, I think Reggie Bush was just honestly the most polarizing one out of all of them. Everyone knew who he was, even if you weren't a college football fan. And uh, USC, that was back when USC was still the USC that everyone is very familiar with and not the USC that. We know now that just can't do anything right and just fired Clay Helton. So, yeah, wrapped it up. I got Reggie Bush at number one for my Heisman winners. Number one, Joe Burrow, 2019, uh, winning the national championship with LSU. Arguably had the best season a quarterback has ever had in college football. Five hundred Over 5,500 yards and 60 touchdowns. I mean, the dude was just unreal. I mean, I don't love Joe Burrow. Like, I love, like, the way he uh, – carries himself on the football field and in life. Like, I think, you know, he has so much confidence. Not even, like, cockiness, just confidence in himself that he's going to do a good job. But just watching that team play, I know it was that game at Texas. Uh, I just watched some highlights the other day of it. But I remember I was watching it uh, in my uh, college apartment. And I was like, damn, who's this Joe Burrow guy? Like, you know, came from Ohio State. And he just lit up Texas. You know, the DBU argument, stuff like that, just lit them up. Jay Jettas, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, Thaddeus Moss. Everyone was just catching touchdowns for him that day. So, I just think Joe Burrow was, without a doubt, the best 
had the best Heisman season uh, that we've seen since 2000. All right. That was the episode. Thank you guys. That about, yeah. That about wraps it up. That was a good one. We were rolling that one. Yes. Wraps it up. That's episode number three of Natty Talk. You guys will be able to catch us here on the Rise Network next Friday about the same time. Without further ado, we'll see you guys then. Kate, do you have anything to leave with the people besides your shitty locks of the week? Yeah, besides my uh, carry carry these locks into Saturday with warning that they may lose. Uh, uh, just like if you guys got any, like, you know, obviously we're a pretty new podcast. So you guys got anything you want us to talk about, you know, any segments you want us to do, you know, talk, uh, DM us. Uh, you know, I'm at Kate Lewitsky on Twitter. Uh, Mitch is on Twitter too. We're on Instagram, you know. Uh, hit up Rise Network if you, you know can't find us. Just let us know if you want us to talk about anything, want us to uh, go over some stuff, you know, because we're open to pretty much anything. We kind of like what we're doing right now, but, you know, any, we're for the people. We are the people's podcast. So let us know if you guys want us to, you know, uh, do whatever you would like us to do. Yes, the people's podcast. Find Kate on Twitter at Kay Lewitsky, myself at Mitch underscore McCartney. Rise Network, all social media at Rise Network US. You want to find our website, www.risenetwork.com. That's all we have for you guys. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll catch you next week for episode four of Natty Talk. Have a good week.